0: Mark chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. If you remember, Jesus had gotten off the boat on the other side and he met the the woman with the issue of blood. And and she reached out and she touched the hem of his garment thinking, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll, I'll be healed inside. And there was that moment when her faith actually was put into action and God met her right there. And she felt that she was whole inside. And and she tried to hide from the Lord. Jesus turned around and said, who touched me? And Peter piped up and said, hey, everybody's touching you, Jesus. But Jesus seeks those who go after him. He will find you. And we see that she was made whole. He said, go, daughter, your faith has healed you. And there's a beautiful situation before that had happened a leader of the church had come up leader of the synagogue had come up jairus said will you come with me please my daughter's very very sick jesus said all right we're going and we talked about how sometimes the lord intervenes throughout throughout our day and and is our day our day or is it his day are our plans our plans or are our plans his plans How many of you had uh, inconvenient eruptions this week? (laughs) How many of those turned into opportunities for God's glory? Or how many of us whined and complained about it? (laughs) We're all learning, huh? So, we see that he goes to Jairus' house. And as he was going, one of Jairus' servants came and said, what? Your daughter's dead. Don't bug the master anymore. Don't bug him anymore. She's dead. It's over with. And looking with your natural eyes, the eyes that you've been given here, if you're just looking at plain old facts, death is finito, we're done. But if you look through the eyes of faith, faith, taking God's word, taking his word, what he says will come to pass, that's, inter- that's a whole new realm in our lives. That no matter what the circumstances are around us, when he says it, it will happen. To live like that is amazing. It's difficult because your emotions are flowing and everything's pushing against you. Anybody live there? But to say, no, this is what you said, Jesus. And I'm putting all that I am upon what you've said. So Jairus, when he hears this this, this news, he, he instantly starts to do what we would all do. He just falls down and breaks and he loses faith. And Jesus says, hey, Jairus, come here, wake up. He says, don't. Don't lose faith. Just believe. And Jesus is faithful to meet us in that area when we start to doubt him. He's faithful to come in and and swoop in and, and rescue us. And we see that he went to that room. And he brought who with him? He brought his three disciples. And this is important as we continue on with the theme of discipleship a little bit. I told you 500 directions. The three disciples were Peter, James, and John. And they go into that room and he, kept, he gets everybody else out except for the mother and the father of the child and he raises this girl from the dead. And I showed you in Acts where later Peter did the same thing in the same way, that discipleship, that transfer of life into another human being. And here we are in, in the, the next chapter. It says, and Jesus left there and went to his hometown of Nazareth accompanied by his disciples. He's bringing his disciples with him to his hometown. He wants them to experience life with him. He wants to experience his family with them. It's not just an isolated in the synagogue incident. Discipleship is every day. It's, it's in, involving people in your life, having them be with you in the ups and downs, <clears throat> not hiding them from certain things, letting them experience the good and the bad with you, and seeing how the Lord works in those circumstances, seeing how... You react in those circumstances, hopefully in a godly way. We're all discipling someone, some of us as kids. <laughs> and how are we doing there, you know? Lord, help us. But we're discipling, bringing people with us. And there were, and, it's, uh, and, it, and it says here in chapter 6 they went to the town, and when the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, as was his custom, right? And many who heard him were amazed. This word for amazed isn't like, whoa, neat, how cool. It's as if they got hit in the face, as if they were taken back. They're just like, whoa, what in the world? They were just, it just took them totally off kilter. They were in amazement, that type of amazement. Where did this man get these things, they asked? What's this wisdom that has been given him? That he does all these miracles. So they're seeing and they're hearing something. And it's just, it doesn't connect in their mind. It's as if they just got beside themselves. And the reason being is because, isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this the tecton in the Greek, the, the handyman? Hey, isn't this Mary's son, the brother of James? We, kn- we know this guy. And by, while they're saying here, uh, you know, and, uh, that it's Mary's son, it might lead us to believe that Joseph might have passed away already. Otherwise, they might have mentioned Joseph. In Luke's account, it does mention Joseph, which might, which might lead us to believe that there are, these are two separate events. But that's for us to talk at in a little a different time. But he's sitting here and saying, man, look at this. Isn't this Mary's boy? And if Jesus was the man of the house when his father died, he would have stayed there until he was 30 years old, taking care of his family, being the man of the house, until the other brothers and sisters were raised up to where they could take care of the family. So Jesus was there just a few years ago. They knew him. He grew up among them. Isn't this Jesus? And it says here, the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Judas is Jude, the one who wrote the book of Jude. Aren't his sisters here with us? And it says, and they took offense at him. That word offense is scandalon in the Greek. You know what that means? It means that they were were stumbled. They took offense. They couldn't reconcile what they knew about the person and what was happening. You ever had that? Any of you come to the Lord and your families are like, no, sorry, we know you. But they don't realize you've been born again. That the Spirit of God has come into you and made you a new creation. You're brand new inside. You're a different person. And they see the miracles that are happening in your life. You once were dropping F-bombs every five minutes and all of a sudden you're changed. They see that you were addicted to this and now that's broken. They see the miracles that are happening in your life, but they... No. They were stumbled by it. This can't possibly be. You're my son. I know you. That, that dangerous familiarity that they had with Jesus. They thought they knew him. And how easy it is for us to think that we really know Jesus. Since when can we contain the person of Jesus Christ? Since when are we done learning? We're disciples of Jesus Christ, right? Right? What does a disciple mean? It means it's a learner. We're constantly supposed to be approaching the Word of God and approaching Him and one another with humility, saying, I'm not there yet. Not until that day, the day I, leave, I breathe my last breath. But it becomes dangerous when we, we read a few books or we, we listen to a few sermons and think we got all our theology down. And then we become dogmatic. And then we come to a subject like healing. Healing. For example, and we say, no, God, God can't heal because, because why? What does it say in James chapter 5? He says, if, you're, if anyone's sick among you, if anyone is sick among you, how many of you have been sick? How many of you are sick? <laughs> if anyone is sick among you, do what? Go to the elders of the church. That they may anoint you with oil. That the prayer uh, given in faith will heal you. Now, is it super elder power that, that does that? Who's the one who heals? Jesus has all authority. He's the one who heals. This isn't charismania, this is Bible. God heals, He wants to heal. The kingdom of God is not talk, but is power. And yet, somehow, we've become familiar with Christ, and we say, Nope, God, you can't work like that. And we shut him off. And we miss out on all that God has to... Now, you know me. We're, there's no barking and clucking in here. No chickens, no weirdness. Okay? That's not how the Holy Spirit works. But I think the Lord wants to heal some people. And not so that any elder or any person in this church would get the glory, but the, 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 that the glory would go to God. And that's why we gather in a group, we, lay, we hands on you, we pray. We, we don't know. We just trust in the Lord. And what he does is up to him. And he gets the, the glory. With that said, taking God at his word, that room should be packed every Sunday. Not try to twist your arm but I'm just saying that there's an opportunity for us to trust in who God is there's an opportunity for you to be healed there's an opportunity for the Lord to do these things it's not saying that he's always going to heal you know that I've had an ailment in my body that I don't know what it is and it's gone on for you know 12-13 years and I'm hurting every single day and I'm uh, you know I'm, I'm hurt I'm wounded and here I'm saying Jesus heals Why? Because I haven't experienced it? Is it based upon experience? Or is it based upon what he says? Because when he says, happens. And you know what's really interesting? God often uses people who are hurt to heal others. I just found that interesting. You know, you ever found someone who's gone through something devastating and you find comfort in what they've done, what they've been through? man, Lord, I don't know why you do what you do, but let my heart be open. Do we compromise on things like Christ crucified on the cross and resurrected again? No, we don't. Those are things we hold right here and say, no, I'm sorry, we draw the line. But other things, we got to walk with humility, a little bit of humility. If you read a little church history, you realize... Better walk with humility. (laughs) Really walk with humility. And we see here that the people of Nazareth, what happened? They saw Jesus. They had their preconceived ideas of who he was, and that was it. And we read here, it says in verse 4, And Jesus said to them, Only in his hometown, among his own relatives, and in his own house, is a prophet without honor. Verse 5, He could... And it says that he could not do any miracles there except for lay hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. They were amazed. They were taken back. They were, they were knocked off their kilter. But he just, he, this, this word is, is more of a uh, contemplated, a, a more of a, I think the King James says it better, but I can't grab it out of my mind right now. It's just more of a deeply just pondering and wandering, like going, what? Out of everybody, you should be the ones. You guys know me. And in Matthew's account and Luke's account, it says that he talked to them. He says, you're going to tell me to heal myself, which they did on the cross. Hey, take yourself down. And then he gives them example. He says, listen, not only a prophet is, you know, without honor in his own town. And he says, you know, in the days of Elijah, there were people that were sick, There were people with leprosy. And guess what Elijah had to do? Was it all the people of Israel that were healed by the prophet Elijah? No, it was Naaman, the commander of the Syrian army, their enemy, that was healed. And then he gives another example. He says, what about the Syrophoenician widow up there way in the north, outside in the middle of where they worshipped Baal? Elisha went up there and raised her son from the dead. You know? I have to go outside of where I should be to minister. And I've said it before, we got to be careful that we, the church, are open to what God wants to do here. Otherwise, he's going to go outside and we're going to go, no, that can't possibly be of God. They're Methodists. We have preconceived audition, yeah, you know, how God works, so they don't go here, or they aren't, you know, you know, Jesus is a right-wing conservative, you know, it's like, and he's American, and I was like, wait a second, look at these things, and so I I just, you know, I look at this, and I see, grieve, Jesus just grieves. May our hearts be open, and I believe he wanted to see his, his disciples to see this, the hardness of of heart, of a heart to the people that you will be ministering to. You will run into this. Know it. You see all the things I've done, and still their hearts are hardened. And because of a lack of faith, he could do new miracles. We ask why God isn't moving in power and stuff in the United States and these things. I think this is one of the main answers. Because there's a lack of faith, there's a lack of just trusting in what he says. How many of you believe that God can heal? How many of you believe that God can heal? That's a big difference when it comes down to it. We have, we're very, we've got all this information at our fingertips, but when it comes down to it, are our actions followed by it. And by the way, I want to make a very clear distinction. I'm not into faith healing. That is a lie. Name it, claim it. Whatever you want, that does not work. It's to his glory, his honor, his will, whatever he wants to have accomplished. We're to pray according to his will. So I just wanted to clear that up. Just because we pray doesn't mean it's going to happen. And then we see the next thing. So Jesus, his disciples experienced these things. And then Jesus went out around teaching from village to village. And then, verse 7, calling the twelve to him, he sent them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. Discipleship, number one. Jesus calls us to himself. He called the disciples. He said, come to me, and I will make you fishers of men. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. First, are we called to Jesus Christ? Do we have that relationship, that abiding relationship? Then we see that he saved us for a purpose. The purpose of the disciples here is he called them out two by two and gave them authority over evil spirits. And he gave them instructions. So he calls us to himself. And then he gives them a purpose. And he, and he gives them companions, two by two. And then he gives them the power tools to do the job. Very important. You don't want to embark upon the ministry without the power of the Holy Spirit in your life. You want to accomplish the things of God and the power of God. And how we love to accomplish things for God and the power of our own strength. Amen? I mean, just my experience in the church. You know, we can we can have that. You know, if we just do the right program, or if we just do this, or if we just have you know right right children's ministry, or this and that, that I've heard through various years of things. Then, but notice here what he says, verse eight. These were his instructions: take nothing <laughs> for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra tunic. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place does not welcome you or listen to you, shake the dust off your feet. When you leave, as a testimony against them. <clears throat> what were they to bring with them? Bare essentials, right? Were they bring extra stuff to rely upon? And I sat there and I've been thinking about this. I've thought about this before as I've taught through it. How much do we rely upon everything else but but just the Holy Spirit? I think there's something the Lord wanted them to understand in their hearts and also the people they were ministering to that what was about to happen wasn't because of them, it was because of God. And they wanted God to have the glory. It wasn't because they had, you know, the latest update on their iPhone and they had all all the technology and they've gone to all the seminars and they've done all these things, you know, or whatever it is. It's just because God was with them. And as they went, notice what happened. God supplied their needs. Did he provide food? Did he provide clothing? Did he provide money? Did he provide all these things he needed? As we step out in faith, and as we follow the Lord, as he calls us, he will provide. You know, just a personal thing. I came here on part-time salary. I decided to move my family from San Diego to Walla Walla on part-time salary. How many of you would do that? Raise your hand. Christine would. <laughs> Keala. Of course. Now, how many of you do it if God told you to do it? Really? That's hard. That's hard. I'm not just trying to point at me. But what I'm saying is we stepped out in faith. And we were part-time. Within three months, I'm full-time. What was that? And I'm sitting in a blessed place, in in a house. And I'm just sitting here going, God, are you kidding me? He is faithful to meet us as we step out. Not to say you're going to get all these material possessions, but he will take care of you. But you got to step in the water to experience the flood. You got to step out. What is God calling you to do? He sends out the 12. Don't have all this stuff. And when people welcome you, go in when they don't shake off the dust, it's going to be worse for them. As, as your, If you look there, there's a little thing at your bottom. Um, actually, you might not have it. That's why I call this the nearly inspired version. Uh, I'm joking. Come on now. There's different translations that add and remove different things. This is no big deal, but... It has a little thing that says that it would be better, you know, it would be worse for them than the, than the judgment of Sodom and Gomorrah. That sounds like something Jesus would say. Pretty hellfire and brimstone there. Anyways, you can check that out in the other version. No big deal. In other words, go where they want you. They don't want you. Don't waste your time. The army of the willing. Gather people of like minds. Minister to them. If they're willing, great. If not, Sorry, don't waste your time. This is what he's saying. And they went out and preached to be seeker-friendly. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I read the wrong thing here. They went out and preached that people should what? Repent. Now, where did they learn that from? From Jesus. Where did Jesus get that from? From Jesus. But I mean, John the Baptist's message was repent. Jesus' message was repent. The disciples go out and they preach the message repent. What is our message? (laughs) Repent. It doesn't change. That's where it begins. Now, there are different ways that we could effectively communicate those those things and, and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit and how that works. But in general, they're saying turn your hearts to God. Turn away from your sin. There's judgment coming. He loves you. He hates sin. It brings death. Turn from it. And they drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. The same thing that Jesus was doing. That discipleship transferred into people doing the same thing. It's beautiful. Now, meanwhile, back at the ranch, King Herod heard about this. For Jesus' name had become well-known. Do you know that when you are doing discipleship correctly, whose name should be well-known? Christ Community Fellowship? Matt Dotson? Oh, may Jesus' name be known. Jesus alone gets the glory who saves sinners like us. Amen? King Herod heard about this. For Jesus' name had become well-known. I like that. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead. And that is why the miraculous powers uh, are working work in him. Others said he's Elijah. And still others claimed he's, he's a prophet, like the one belonging uh, prophets long ago. But when Herod heard of this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. <laughs> Crazy thing about Herod here. This is Herod Antipas. He... Uh, he had a real guilty conscience because he uh, beheaded John the Baptist, who he really liked and feared. Now, just because you fear and like someone doesn't mean you're going to listen to them and obey them. But John the Baptist was a straight shooter. And what happened is Herod here, this is Herod Antipas, and this gets really confusing, and I'll post it on the website under resources because uh, I'm not even sure I've got it right in my head right now. But there's Herod the Great, Remember Herod the Great? He was the Herod that was alive when Jesus' time, when Jesus was a baby. And he's the one called for the execution. He was called Herod the Great. He was around four foot three. And so, therefore, everything he made around him was massive. You know, and he didn't like other people. And eventually, he, he had four sons. And one of the sons, here's Herod, is Herod Antipas. got to name everybody Herod, you know. And then another one was Philip. Philip went away to go hang out by Rome, and he ended up marrying one of Herod the Great's nieces, Herodias. (laughs) Herod, a little bit of an ego trip there. (laughs) So you got a little incestual type thing going on there, right? One of the sons married a niece, so they've got whatever that is. Okay, so figure that out later. That's extra credit. So, Philip and Herodias are together. They're hanging out in Rome. Well, Herod Antipas, the guy right here who heard about John the Baptist, he he goes over there and he likes Herodias. And so he woos her away from Philip to come be with him. And so John is preaching against this guy. He's saying, hey, you can't do that. That's wrong. It is unlawful. And Herodias hated him. This woman, she hated him, just despised him. But you see, Herod, uh, he kind of feared him, thought he was a pretty neat guy. You know, all the miracles and stuff, he was just entertained by him. He kind of feared him, but he wasn't all the way in. And so we pick up our story here, all right? And this is just kind of, you know, like a side story. They want you to know what happened to John, uh, John the Baptist. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested. I'm sorry, hold on here. Back on verse 14. Uh, King Herod heard about this, for Jesus' name had become well known. Some were saying, John the Baptist had been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others say he's Elijah, and still others claimed he's a prophet, like one of the prophets long ago. Verse 16. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, the man I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. For Herod himself had given orders uh, to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, his, his brother Philip's wife. Notice the Bible says whose wife it is. Whom he had married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. So Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and holy man. When Herod heard John, he was greatly puzzled. Yet, he liked to listen to him. Finally, the opportunity came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders and the leading uh, men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. Obviously, you can imagine what was going on. The king said to the girl, "'Ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you.' And he promised her with an oath. "'Whatever you ask, and I will give it to you, up to half of my kingdom.'" Boy, guys can do, do stupid things. <laughs> Watch out, guys. Don't get yourself in situations like that. Stay pure. She went out and said to her mother, What shall I ask for? Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> the head of John the Baptist, she she answered. I mean, what kind of... Give me the head of John the Baptist. That's... Savory, how wonderful. At once, the girl hurried to the king with the request, I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. That's where we get the head on a platter, right? I'm serious. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oaths and dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her, and so he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. It's sad when we let pride get, a, get in the way from, with what is right and wrong. We can go over that later, but I'm going to go quickly through here. The man went and beheaded John in prison and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in the tomb. Very sad. Very sad. Herod. You don't want to be like Aaron. You don't want to be a person who is controlled by your passions and pleasures. Who's tossed to the left and to the right. who's kind of likes God, but kind of likes the world. You want to be all in for Jesus Christ. All in. Don't let the world creep in and mess with you. Don't let these things draw you away from what God has for you. Sin is fun for a time, for a season, but in the end it brings death. How many of you, because of your sins, have experienced death in your life, pain, anguish? Only a few of you. Wow. (laughs) Never mind. Yeah, we all know it to be true. As you walk with the Lord this week, be a disciple. Open your heart to Him. Leave your mind open to what He might teach you this week. How about you, like the Bereans, this week, go grab your Bible and read what we just read and see if it was so? The Bereans, when they heard people preach, they grabbed the Bible and they read it. They read the scriptures and they said, Is this so, Lord? If so, I want to change. If not, don't let me follow it. Take what I say, bring it before the Lord, pray about it, see what the Lord is doing in your life. And to God be the glory this week. Go out, disciples, amen. Let's stand. Actually, you know what? Let's sit. (laughs) We'll have half of you stand. Kayla, why don't you come back up? At this time, we're going to take our offerings. I want to remind you that we have prayer after the service if any of you need prayer. right back there in that room, myself, uh, Fred and Byron will be there. Also today at four o'clock, we have a prayer meeting, love for you to be there. Father, we want to thank you for what you've given us. Apart from your love, Lord, we have nothing. God, thank you for blessing this body, with the resources we have. Lord, we want to use everything for your glory. I pray that these funds, Lord, that would come in, that are given from a heart, a cheerful giver, Lord, not out of constraint, but out of joy. You love a hilarious giver, your word says. That they would be used to bring glory to you, to provide for the work of your ministry, Lord, in practical ways that you would expand your kingdom here in Walla Walla and around the world, Lord God. I pray that this year we would step out and begin to just take more ground, Lord. Take more ground for your kingdom. Bring people to Jesus and release them into effective ministry, Lord. We love you, God. It's all about you. We, we thank you this time. In the name of Jesus, amen.